This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world, and we hope this helps you grow. For more information at Christian Life Center, visit us at our website, www.berwynag.org. Thank you. What a world we live in, huh? With all the shooting news and the fires and all the things that are on the news, it's almost impossible for us to imagine or keep a, keep a grasp of, of the goodness of God. But there are good things that are happening in our world, right? I said there are good things that are happening in our world, right? We, if we aren't, aren't careful, we won't be able to remember those things, and we'll just be, they'll be blacked out, you know, smoked out of our life. And so uh, I, the question I asked myself this week as I was watching the news, seeing all this stuff, what will make the earth a better place? And as, as we're looking at uh, Luke 13 here, starting verse, the 22nd verse, that's, I think we see the answer to the question. It's not an obvious answer, but it's, it is an answer. Luke 13, 22. It says, Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And he said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there, and gnashing of teeth, when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets of the kingdom of God, but you yourselves are thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places in the feast of the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and the first who will be last. Let's pray. Father, we ask today, Lord, that you would take the salient points of this message, Lord, and burn them into our heart, Lord. In these moments that we have together, Lord, I pray that our hearts would see what you're trying to say to us here, Lord, and show us the greatness of our God and the the moments that we have to measure on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. My first point is this, great big God... Say it with me. Great big God. Great big God, narrow door. Let's say it together, together again. Great big God, narrow door. God is so amazing, so great. His love is so profound. His love is unlimited. Do you believe that? God's love is unlimited. There are people who you can't love that God does love. There are, maybe you were one of those people that somebody else couldn't love, and God loved you. But there are things that are happening on the earth that, that make us have questions about whether or not uh, uh, we, we can effectively love people, but, but God loves them. God, the, the sacrifice of Jesus 
is enough to save every single person on the earth. How many of you believe that? Raise your hand if you believe that. It's called un the unlimited atonement, that God has the ability within his, his, uh, the drops of his blood to save every single soul on the earth. It is God's will that everyone comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Every single person you know, every single person in your family, it's God's design, his will, that they come to Jesus. The fact of the matter is they may not come to Jesus. And that was the, the question that bugged these folks that were asking Jesus the question. Will there be a lot of people saved? Or will there only be a few people saved? What an unpopular message today's message is. What an unpopular message. We don't want to hear about this because we want to hear about uh, butterflies and, and rainbows. But, but the reality of it is Jesus faces this question pretty much head on. In fact, he gives them more than he, he could have just said, yeah, few people will be saved. But instead, he gives them uh, uh, information, wisdom for them to act out upon in their own life so that they can, they can ensure they're, they're a, a part of that number, being the part of that number. When Jesus tells them, he said, yeah, few people will be saved. He said, there, there's, there's going to be a lot of people who think they're, they're saved. Right? There's going to be a lot of people. He said, in fact, there's going to be people who, who really, really, really think they are saved. I mean, these people who come to Jesus, they say, well, uh, uh, we knew you. You taught in our streets. He's speaking, of course, to that generation, but he's also speaking to us. You were here. We ate and we, we spent time with you. And Jesus is going to say, I don't know you. Depart from me. Scary words in the scripture. In fact, even as I was reading them this week, kind of going over them, it, it, it sobered me. To think that there's a moment in time. Jesus uses the term, make every effort. At least that's how it's translated in the New International Version. Man, this is like a feast up here. Uh, make every effort, he says. Make every effort to make it through that narrow door. The Greek word there is agonizomai, which includes the word that we, we translate agony struggle, wrestle to get through that door. It's an investment of a lot of your energy. This is, by the way, what I'm going to call my anti-grace message. It's not really anti-grace because we can never come into the kingdom without having first been invited to come into the kingdom and, and, and having Jesus shed his blood for us. But what we call grace in this world, what is going for grace in this world, is not biblical. What, we're, what is going for grace in this world is too easy. It's too, too laid back. And Jesus says, struggle in every way, make every effort, wrestle with the idea of getting through that and do, give, give yourself fully to, to making it through the narrow door because there will be some people who are going to be knocking from the door from the outside because there's a moment in time when the owner of the home closes the door. That's got to sober us, doesn't it? 
If, if that's true, then that, there are people who you love and people who I love and people who, who we work with, people who, who we're reaching out to. Where there's going to be a moment in time when it's just too late. Sometimes we, all we want to do is make people feel good. Sometimes my job as a pastor is to do funerals. The temptation at every funeral is to preach the person into heaven. You know? People, after they die, suddenly become saints in our eyes. We only remember the good things about them, right? Which maybe, maybe we should only remember the good things, but there are, there are we want to we make that. I remember doing a funeral, a specific funeral, and before I went out to do the funeral, I said to myself, this is so, so criminal that this man's children do not know whether he made it into heaven or hell. Because his lifestyle flip-flopped back and forth from church and the world, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so the, 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 the people who in, the, in that family who had faith were holding, believing, clinging to the fact that God loved him more than he loved God. And there's no, no doubt that that's of a certainty. God does love us more than we love him. But there should not be an uncertainty. When you die, if you just make this vow, when I die, everyone will know where I've gone. Just make that vow and keep that vow. If you're going to play around and... and jeopardize your soul, then just go live for the devil out there so that everybody knows when you died that you went to an eternal fire. Just go live the whole way. These half measures is just good enough. Oh, I signed the church card 25 years ago. Oh, I give $5 in the basket. Oh, we eat with you. We drank with you in the streets. You came and taught among us. That's what they're saying. They're saying, we dabbled with you, Jesus. I do not know you. That's a strong word. I'm probably not really appropriate for pastor appreciation. I'm glad we... I'm glad we got that done before the message, but, but if you don't appreciate this message, then you probably don't have a clue about going to heaven. And what I'm trying to do today is sober us up so that we aren't fooling ourselves. We aren't fooling ourselves. It is not an easy walk. Jesus taught that. It's not an easy, it's a struggle. It's a, it's a determination. It's, it's hard to be a Christian in this world. And if your walk isn't hard for you, then I suggest you're not saved this morning. You've just deceived yourself. How do you deceive yourself? Let me tell you how it's found in James. You listen to the word, and then you do your own thing. You're a hearer of the word, but not a doer. That's what the Bible says. Don't be a hearer and not a doer, otherwise you will deceive yourself. This is the most dangerous thing you can do. The most dangerous thing you're going to do all week is right here, right here. If the words that you hear today 
Go in your brain, but don't go in your heart. If you don't act upon those things, you condemn yourself fully. You will no longer be able to say, I didn't know any better. You'll just have to say, I chose to do it my way. And say what you want to say about the Frank Sinatra song. The person who lives according to that, that Sinatra song goes to hell in the end. That's the way that works. How can we change the world we live in if we just lived according to the light that's been given to us? If we just live by the words that come into our life, stop for a moment, listen to what Jesus says, and then adjust your life accordingly and don't go back like a dog to its vomit. That's how you make the world a better place. When he says to love those that are unlovely, when he says for us to give to those who are in need, when he says for us to give ourselves to working with the poor, when he says that we should preach the gospel, when he says that we should lay hands on the sick, when he says that we should believe together, that we should become a community of faith, all that makes the world a better place. That's how it works. Some will try and not make it. That's a sobering thought. Some will say, well, I tried Christianity. I, I prayed a prayer. Let me, let me step on your sacred cow. Can I do that? No, let me kill your sacred cow. What Jesus is saying is there will be people who prayed the prayer, but that wasn't enough of an effort. You say, are we saved by works? No, but we're not saved without them. You work according to the energy that you have in you. It's a sobering thought. I'm not making this up. This is right here in these narrow verses. What, the nine verses that speak clearly to us. Some are trying. And there's a moment in time when God is going to say, that's enough. And the door is going to close. And you won't hear the lock latch. All your little Christian reindeer games, all your shining things on, all your pretending to be some, one thing in church when you're really something else, all that is going to count against you when you're outside on the outside of the door knocking. Please let me in, God. Remember, I knew you. I, I attended Sunday school when I was I read my Bible every once in a while when I would lose my job and things would get really tight. When the doctor said he saw a spot on, on my x-ray, boy, I read my Bible that day. Until it came back, it was okay. Then I forgot where I put that Bible. All that kind of behavior. Listen, I, I grieve as a pastor for people who are lost, who used to attend this church. I see their lives quickly going down the toilet of life. Choosing other things but the thing of God. Someone says, well, wouldn't it be great if our church was mag you know, just gigantic? Maybe not. Maybe that's not what success looks like. Maybe success looks like people who really believe. We were sitting yesterday 
talking about the church as family. And just talking about how believers, when we know each other and we walk together with each other, we, we, we love to, to, to sit and talk about Jesus together. But occasionally, like every family, there has to be a rebuke. You rebuke people at, in your family? Huh? Come on, let me hear you. Do you rebuke people in your family? Yeah. Yeah, I rebuke people in my family. My, pe- my family rebukes me. We need that. That's, we want to avoid that, but we need that. But when we're, at, when we're an arm's length away from the body of Christ, when we don't embrace the, the family of faith, the household of faith, when we don't embrace them, then what we end up with is this really dysfunctional relationship where we want someone to dance for us up in the front and to say only good and positive and really uplifting things. Hey, there's nothing more uplifting than going to heaven. But in order for me to tell you that you need to go to heaven, I have to warn you about the realities of hell. Because there's no bigger downer than eternity without Christ. You say, will I get a second chance? The Bible says, no, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, Jesus was just talking in an analogy. Yes, he was saying by his analogy, it's going to be miserable beyond your understanding for eternity. Well, that doesn't seem very positive. Yes, you'll never hear some preachers on TV preach this message. One reason they won't do it is because they don't believe it. They have to believe that everybody who sends them $5 is going to make it to heaven. But the reality of it is there will be people who try. That's what the Bible says. People who try, but they don't make it in. You say, well, that doesn't sound very gracious. Yeah, not according to the standard, but your, your human standard of grace will completely melt away. This lie, this demonic lie of grace Will, will, will be eroded from your brain as soon as you step into heaven. You'll see the, the way things really are. God's grace went to the cross, and that's an open invitation. Jesus' arms are spread out wide for you to come to him. So come. And yes, it's true that Jesus does sometimes come to us in our place and rescue us from that place and then bring us back to himself, lead us back to himself. But at any moment, you can pull on the leash and turn around and walk away. And you can go a different direction. That's grace. Jesus does not put you in a headlock and drag you kicking and screaming all the way to heaven. Some of us think that. I talk to Christians who believe that God is a kidnapper. That he comes in and grabs you by the soul and he kidnaps you and brings you to heaven and you didn't even want to be a Christian. Well, I'm telling you, there's not a single soul going to be in heaven who didn't want to be in heaven. There's not a single soul. Every single person who walks through the gate after they get up from groveling on the floor and realizing, yes, I'm not worthy. I, I, I tried my hardest, but I'm still not worthy. Jesus said, if you do everything I've commanded you, you are still an unworthy servant. Look it up. So even if you are perfectly obedient, you're unworthy. But you will not get into heaven. You will not be a part of the kingdom unless you want to be there. I, I, I told the staff today that I'm either preaching something 
heretical or there's insight into this? I mean, I, I see it there. I don't know how you cannot see it there. I, I, I do know how you cannot see it there. You don't want to see it there. You want to hear what everybody else is saying. But what if you would just tell all those other voices to shut up and just listen to the voice of Jesus? Make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will be standing outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I do not know you or where you come from. That's pretty clear. I don't know. You say, so well, is this a fear tactic? Yeah, if you're smart, you'll be afraid. If I'm not mistaken, Jesus said, fear the one who has the power to throw your soul into hell. Fear him. He didn't say rebuke him. He didn't say deny him. He said, fear him. It's just straight up. Jesus is trying to tell us what to do. There's things we have to do that we don't want to do. The other day I was sitting on the couch watching the, the weather, and they said it's going to be cold. Did you hear you heard that weather report too, right? And you're like, oh man, it's going to be cold. And right away I knew on the inside of my heart, I knew what I needed to do. Go get that bucket of salt and go get that shovel. I didn't want those things to be my reality anymore. But I knew I had to go, and I knew I didn't want to go, and I knew, but I knew if I was smart, I would go get that bucket of salt and that shovel and set it by the front door so that when I needed it, I would need it. That's what Jesus is saying. Make every effort. I'll be honest with you, I argued with myself. I did not want to go out into the cold because I keep that stuff stashed underneath my porch which means I would have had to dress warm early in the morning to go out and get that stuff and, and put it aside. I didn't want to do it, but that's what your smart money does. Your smart money gets ready for the cold that's coming, right? Winter's coming. Winter's coming. No, oh, that's more bad news. Winter's coming. We don't want to hear about that, Pastor. We want to hear about the the waves of grace that lap the shores and the warm breezes of, but winter's coming. Jesus spoke like this all the time. The night comes where no man can work. There are a million things that Jesus said to us that tell us that we, if we're smart, get ready, we have to do the things we're doing in the right now. So the good news is I got up off the, couch and I went into the underneath the deck and I was freezing out there I couldn't believe how cold it was and I got all that stuff and so my porch is ready for winter in the same way we have to make our way ready for heaven strive every effort every effort 
So how do, how do we live as children of God? How should we live then? How should we live? Well, we need to live in relationship with Jesus. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Are you just throwing up missile prayers? Help me, God! God, you know I'm so busy down here. Are you spending dedicated time with Jesus? How's your, how's your life in the Word? Are you in your Word every day? Sometimes I read the Bible and there's nothing in there, it seems, for me. Sometimes you string together three, four days like that where you're reading three, four chapters a day, three, four, yeah, three, four chapters a day, and you're reading those and there's nothing, it just seems like there's nothing there. And then about two weeks later, all of a sudden, what you read, you remember it and it comes back and you're like, oh, that's what Jesus was talking about there, I get it, right? Do you know if you don't read the Bible, that never happens to you? Right? You never have that, I could have had a V8 moment. You never have that. You didn't read the Bible, so you, 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 you get this, but you have no thought that comes after it. Life smacks you in the face, but you don't go, oh, that's what the Lord was warning me about. That's what the Lord was talking to me about. You've got to read your word. Are you in fellowship? Or are you a dabbler? Dabblers are people I call who kind of hang around the peripheral edges. Not really part of the family. They just, somebody once invited them to the barbecue and they show up two, three times a year. And when they're there, they're welcome, but they're not really committed. They're not going to be the one that's going to help you. They're going to come fill up your tire when you have a flat or, or help you out. I don't think I can keep on watching people who used to walk with us die without Jesus. I, I just don't know how long I can keep watching people who used to walk among us die without faith. And what everybody's thinking in that room, but no one has the guts to say is, well, they walked away from the Lord. They walked away from Christ. And this is the end of that. Oh, pastor, you're judgmental. Well, maybe so. Maybe that's what 30-some years in ministry gets you, but it's reality. Tired of watching people hurt themselves and hurt their families because their faith was not real. Their faith was something that they toyed with. They just played with their faith. Well, I don't think we'll be making too many copies of this message, brother. You should be able to get home pretty, pretty early. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Nobody, nobody really wants to talk about that. But the reality of it is, 
we have to ask ourselves one simple question. Am I making every effort? Let's pray. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were blessed by it. If there's anything that we can do to help you further your relationship with God, we would love to be a part of it. You can contact us through our website, www.berwinag.org. Thank you, and God bless.